He goes, well, Sean, while you were gone, note I was only gone for a week and two days. While you were gone, I sold the business to the suit. I'm like, how the F did you do that? I own 47% of this business. And he that's leaned why, back that's in his why chair. You even, that's why you set up the, when you said 47%, that you set it up. He leans way. back and he goes, I own 53%. Sorry. The Move Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it. And we're back with another episode of the Moved Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. And I'm super excited about today's guest. We've got so much to talk about. A man of many experiences, Mr. Sean Malone. What's up, dude? Dude, I'm, I'm so grateful, Jason, that, that I'm on the Move podcast with you here. I think the movement that you build and the things that you're doing are like innovative and different and rare. And the way that you're treating everybody, I think is awesome, dudes. I love the testimonials that you're getting and the speakers that are is hot, man. So like what you're doing is great. And I, I like I like the movement you're pushing. I stand behind it, dude. So thanks for having me. Yeah, man, it's super, super exciting to have you. And this, the, the podcast really goes around what the evolution of, of the entrepreneur is and kind of the core of that. And sometimes what I like to do is do my homework. And I'm going to go back. This one's going to take a minute because I'm going to just read it here. But you might remember actually posting this. And I think I get maybe your feedback on it. His name was Theodore Roosevelt. And you had posted this well back. And it was a comment that he said. He said, the credit belongs to the man who is individually in the arena, who whose face is mirrored by the dust and sweat, blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end of the triumph, high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while do, daring greatly. So that is his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. What comes to mind to you in that comment? Failing forward. I mean, like it's simple. It's just like fail forward, right? You got to fail forward. You got to fail fast. You got to fail often because the person that's willing to fail will grow quicker than anybody else on earth. I think you're right. I think you're right. And I think that pulls up with many people. I think the cool thing about, you know, you posted that. I think the cool thing about those old, um, those old quotes is, they continue to be valuable today. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, like, I think, uh, I think there's a lot of merit in, in the, the elders. Like we always talk about standing on the shoulders of giants. I never really understood what that meant until I understood what it meant, right? Uh, and, and me and my story, like I, I'm a sales geek, dude. I'm a sales pro. I, that was like, I, there was a moment in my life where we can get into my story however you want to, but there was a moment in my life where I had an experience, the catalyst, and that shifted the shape of where I wanted to go in the future. And at that moment in my life, I was like, oh, I get it. And then as I started to explore the world of sales and the lost art of prospecting, and then I got into tech and I got into online and all this other stuff is like, I've always been a sales guy at heart because that's the one skill that my dad you know, instilled in me that if I'm good at that, then you can succeed at a, a rapid pace. And after you know, almost 30 years in the space now, um, I truly understand like standing on the shoulders of giants and what that means is like, if you look at any good sales pro that's out there now, that's teaching what they claim is their own method. I am almost hundred percent sure that a majority of everything in that person's unique method was from somebody before them. Right. And that's the, the, the giants, the shoulders that we're standing on, because there are some timeless principles 
and, and just classic things that have always worked before internet, on internet, and will work in the future. And uh, the, the giants that created or founded or, or discovered those things, I, I love that. So like hearing a quote like that again, and, and I appreciate you sharing that is, is just, it's just valuable like confirmation to say, well, hey, look, like we are all standing on the shoulders of the people that came before us and we're taking their foundation and creating new. And the new is what people are mostly drawn to. And I, I love, I love the, the creation process. Well, in your story, um, you had done many sales. Um, where, where did that start from you? Did that come from your father? Was that, was your father? Uh, yeah, no. So I had one. Uh, so I went to college playing baseball. I had a full ride for baseball. Uh, I got drafted out of high school to play uh, for the Padres and the Rangers and the Mets. I turned it Let's all go down. San Diego. Yeah, there you go. Get some, right? And yeah. uh, I, I went to, I ended up going to Colorado, uh, college in Colorado, University of Northern Colorado. It was Division One, 2A. I had a full ride. And as I was playing college, uh, playing baseball and going through college, I got to the end and I, I really came out of college with one question on my mind. And that question was like, how do I make a boatload of money? Like, that's what I wanted to do. That's real talk. It's like who I was and who I am still is I love boatloads of money. It's a byproduct of doing awesome things, but it's cool to, to be able to make a boatload of money. And so I had that question, like, how do I do it? And so I looked around and I thought, well, who are the people in my life that that have made a lot of money. And, and the first person who came to, to light was my dad. And I said, hey dad, like, how do I make a boatload of money? I'll never forget this conversation. He says to me, Sean, you got three choices. I was like, yeah, I got some choices. Like, what are they, right? So um, sure. easy, sure. easy, right? Where he's like, here's the choices, choose your own destiny. I was like, and he goes first, number one, are you a CEO? 21 at the time coming out of college, I'm like, I don't even know what those letters really mean. So like, yeah. I'm not a CEO, right? Like not, not, yeah. I mean, I, I, know, I know what an RBI is. <laughs> <laughs> you damn right. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so those like CEO, okay, dad, that's not me. I'm not that person right now. Maybe I could be in the future, but I don't even know what the letters mean. He's like, okay, number two, are you an entertainer? And I go, huh. I thought about it for a minute. I was like, I can't really sing that well. I can't really dance. Uh, no, I'm not an entertainer either. And he looks at me, he's like, okay, choice number three, you got to go learn sales. And I was like, ah, oh, perfect. That's what I'll do. And so just put the blind faith into, you know, the person that had made a bunch of money in my past. It, it, like I'd seen him make money in his past. And, and, and so I was like, okay. And I went and I took a job selling commodities and I sucked. Oh, you you want to talk about somebody who's bad at sales? Dude, now commodities, I've talked about like aluminum extrusions, sheet metal, window and door hardware, plastics. Um, and then of course I fell into electronics where it's like, uh, you know, like if you have a cell phone or something like all the little circuitry inside and my conductors, I was in that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I sold, I sold, I started selling for an organization that had like a line card of 15 different manufacturers that all offered like the raw materials to like these OEMs, the original yep. equipment manufacturers, they would take mm -hmm. the raw materials and form it into like an iPhone. Right. So, um, it was all the parts that go into like a phone or something like that. And, um, I, I was given a book uh here's this manufacturer's directory guide go call these manufacturers and sell to them like that's what i was told is my instructions and i was like okay and i asked like what is the activity level because i i always knew like if you do the basics and you get good at fundamentals like fundamentals. the rest you can always typically build on like health or anything that you teach i mean like you you could probably say the same stuff um or sports or anything right but sales the same way right so it's like at first i sucked Right. And one of my great, one of my mentors, uh, Garrett White, he always said, look, whenever you start something new, you're going to suck. So you always suck at first and then you'll suck less and then you'll suck so little you actually become good. And I was like, okay, well, that's kind of the process. 
So it's like, okay, just understanding and knowing that I went into sales and I was really bad. Um, the activity level I was told was you got to make 80 cold calls a day. So my first week in sales, I just was sitting at a desk with a book and it was like, you know, sweat beads. Like, what do I do? How do I even talk to these people? Picked up the phone. I started making 80 cold calls a day. I did it for six weeks long. That's 2,400 cold calls that I made. Guess you, how many you don't remember that number very well. It doesn't sound like there was much pain in that. Oh, dude. <laughs> well, the pain came with this question is how many, how many appointments do you think I booked, Jay? Well, at the time, it was probably you were running off of uh, less quality, more volume. I, I would probably say one to three. I booked zero. Yeah. And that was enough for me to almost say, F this. I'm thrown yeah. in the towel. Like, I yep. just don't want to do this anymore. I called my dad. I was like, this sales thing, it sucks, man. I'm, I'm out. Like, what the hell? And he said, don't quit. Go to the library and read a book. And I was like, great advice. Thank you, dad. Right. So I, I go to the library and I pick up this Tom Hopkins, how to master the art of selling stuff book. Tom Hopkins. Yep. And I pick it up and I start reading through and I, and, and I had this epiphany moment in my life. I was like, oh, there's a formula. Like, and I was always pretty good with formulas in school. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to take this little appointment setting formula that Tom Hopkins has. And I'm going to try to put it in my sales call like that. Seemed logical to me. Let's go try it. So Monday morning, I show up and I pick up the phone. And I, I've memorized this little line out of the book. And I'm like getting in the car. And I'm like talking to this guy. I'm like, hey, yeah, yeah, but I think his name is Joe. And, uh, and then I, I like, I got to the part of the call where I needed to drop this little line that I memorized and I just practiced it over the weekend and I completely messed it up. I didn't even say it close to right because I was sitting there thinking like, oh, this could go so wrong. And the sweat beads start coming down my face and the neck hair standing up and I'm getting all tense and I'm like, ah, like, is this going to work? And I tried to say it and I totally just was all frozen and locked up and I butchered the line. And, and the, the, the prospect, Joe, he starts laughing at me. He goes, Sean, I know what you're trying to do, man. Like, I, I need, probably need some of your stuff. Just come on over on Tuesday and, and we'll talk about it. And I was like, and I had to keep it quiet. But I was like, I just booked my first appointment. Like after, you know, like 2,400 attempts, I finally booked one day. I was so thrilled. And I, I like tried to hold it, kept cool. I was like, great, y'all, see you later. And I like kind of quickly hung up the phone. I started dancing around here in my office and my boss, Tim, comes by and he's like, Sean, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm so excited. He's like, did you just make a sale? And I looked at him, I was like, no, I just booked an appointment. And he's like, oh, get out of here. And he just walked off, right? So I was like, but yeah, that you went from the bat, you went, I mean, using baseball analogies, you went from kind of the batter's box and waiting, having a donut on, and, and then you got to the plate, right? And now you get an opportunity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's my first base hit right so that's what it was right so, so kind of like pull, pulling back a little bit and i'm going to jump back into the conversation that you just had one of the questions that i have and, and are always interesting to me is that you were playing ball and it sounds like you were pretty uh, dedicated to playing mm -hmm. um was there a moment of, of 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 time that you had to let that go because i think it's it's important as we evolve i mean i always and I'd always say I'm on Starbucks 4.0 and this year I'm like changing it and I'm like going to Jason 4.0 see if we can change some things. But, it, you know, was there a time of having to let that go? Did you have an issue of letting go of what that character may have been and then becoming something else? Um, I was hell bent determined in, in uh, by hellfire to become a pro baseball player. Like, and then when I got into college, there was like really kind of two major moments of transition in my career personally for that side of my, my life. Yeah, um, it was my third year on spring break. We went to Arizona and um, we went and we played against the Colorado Rockies farm team in Arizona. 
and I, we were good. Like our team was really good. And we started playing against the, the farm league, not even like single A, well, I think it was like low A, medium, high A ball, and then goes double A, triple A pro. Like that's kind of the flow in baseball, right? So these guys were like low A to middle A. So like single A, low level players that were playing against our college team who was like crushing it. And we got on the field and these dudes smoked us at a level that I've never been smoked. And it was the most humbling experience that I've ever mm. seen. In fact, I remember one particular play, they had this dynamo whiz bang third baseman and one of our best hitters came up and just pulled it right down the corner. And this dude picks up the ground ball, takes the ball and spins it around in his hand, looks at it and then goes, okay. And then threw him out. And I was like, that was one of those moments like how can the third like there's not that much time because it's like the base is only you know 90 feet away or whatever and i realized at that moment i was like i'm pretty good there's but there's like this top half of a quarter of one percent of people that are amazing and i don't think i could ever get to that level of athletic ability i just didn't think i had it so that was the first moment where i was like huh maybe baseball isn't gonna be for me for the rest of my life and so that kind of cracked open that shell. And then like later on in my, my third year in college, um, I actually ran into a little bit of political um, BS where my, my, our, my coaches were taking some, some money, not you know ethically. And I'm just not a believer of that. So I said, hey, look, I'm done. I don't want to play for you anymore. You're unethical. Here's my full scholarship. I quit. So that's what happened. Wow. And uh, at that stage, I was like, what am I going to do? If I'm going to pursue baseball, I got to do it through like a semi-pro league. I joined a wood bat league and I tried to play. And I was just like, you know what? Like, I'm just better at business. I'm aptitude to go like be better at business. Like I like business. Well, so. I think that the story is important to share because I think that those transitions um, really share the story that you made a commitment in the transition. And I think that a lot of people, you know, it's like, am I in or am I out? And I think that you got those three different options. And at that point, you're okay. What are these options? And you still carried it out like a sport. I think there's a lot of guys out there that have had that same experience like you, and maybe they're in that same position now. And it's like, you know what? I got to be all in. And I think the framework, like you said, you know, okay, this is the game of baseball. This is how the framework works. Now I got to go play the best. And then you decided I'm going to go see if I can be someone else in business. The great thing about sales, I think that something you're sharing too, it's like, you don't, you don't have to be in the top 3% of the world to succeed. You just need to be maybe the three or 5%, maybe not even that. You could even be on the same as shoot top. Yeah, you don't even have to be that, right? Like yeah. sales is a thing, right? And you can you can grow in the sport. The only thing I, I kind of get disappointed about with sales is as a, so my vocation is specifically communication through the channel of sales and the lost art of prospecting. So like, I want to be the best communicator on the planet. And if you're looking at communication as a whole, um, there's no real big competition to go like test your communication abilities. And so that was the one thing that I'm kind of disappointed about with the vocation that I chose, but I, I love the vocation. I'm going to stay as communicator for the rest of my life in sales. Like I'll never leave. Like that's just, it's what it is. Like I love well, sales. They've got these little small, small little rewards. And they got like the click funnels two comma club that was created out of nowhere. You know, we've got, there's some things out there that could give you some, some trophies, but you know, probably, probably the trophy is maybe what you have done with your life. I noticed that you, um, you enjoyed boating. You still have a boat mm -hmm. now? I don't have any boats right now because Lake Mead over here in Las Vegas is about dry, man. So we're oh. trying. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's getting pretty low. So I uh, we've had I've, my wife and I have had several boats. 
Um, our biggest one was like just shy of 40 foot and had like a couple of bedrooms could hold like 21 people on it. And it was, it was a big, big fun boat through like a big wake and jet skis would jump off it and stuff like is, is cool to see. So, yeah, but I don't have a boat right now. No. So that, um, so that transition, I think brought you into starting to get into quality of, of sales and kind of going into that. Um, there was a time that came up in, in your time. And I think that this was interesting and you had said, break the rules and close more sales. And you were using a call out. And somebody had brought up right below that ABC. How has your uh, mental game or sales game changed since that always be closing? Uh, Dale Carnegie, we've got all these guys that talk about, you know, always be closing transition. And I think that there was a time for that. But at what point did you make that kind of shift or do you still use yeah this? so so after and again go back into my story so like um after i set that one appointment and i was like this moment in time that like dictated where i'm going for the rest of my days is like i had that moment and and a lot of people don't recognize that moment in their life but fast forwarding like as i got into this I started setting a lot of appointments and then I was like, okay, now I'm in a sales conversation and I'd be in the office with somebody belly to belly across the table, across whatever. And I figured out that I sucked at sales too, like actually having the sales conversation. So now I'm like, oh, like humble pies and acquired taste. This is a, this hurts, right? Like it didn't feel that great to get these appointments booked and never close a do night, not converting. But I was, I was still okay with the progress that I was making because I was like trying to take a big picture look at it. It's like, I never used to be able to set an appointment. Now I can set appointments kind of like on command. Now there's the sales thing. Like, how do I do that? And so I thought to myself, well, my dad said, go read a book over here. That helped. Maybe there's selling systems out there. And that's when I did my deep dive. And I, I'm a nut, dude. I went deep into 40 different selling systems. I bought all of them, spent, I, in the course of a like 10 year period of my learning curve, I'd call it, I spent over half a million on all these different selling systems. So I spent a lot of money um, that I had made in commissions uh, or that I had made, like I'd saved my whole life, sorry, not made in commissions, but, and, and that process of like learning those 40 different selling systems and understanding this where that shoulders, the giants, the, shoulder, uh, the yeah. shoulders of giants came from. It's like, oh, okay. So this system has these things. This system has these things. And I looked at all of them. It's like, oh my gosh, like there's seven, steps that are common across all of these 40 different selling systems. So why don't I just distill it down to those and let me go try to use that in, in, in my world, see if it works. And it worked, right? I started closing deals and I was like, whoa, it worked. Like, I can't believe this worked. And then, and then I was like, okay, so there's something to sales. And then the next thing it was, it worked really well. And then I took a company from 3 million a year in sales to 37 million a year in sales in nine months. I see this little electronics firm go boom. And all of a sudden they had to hire over a hundred people and they were going to the bank and getting these like $50 million loans to buy all this massive equipment. And at this time, I'm really good at sales. I'm making a lot of commission and, and, and buying every toy you can imagine. Right. Cause I, I knew how to make the money now, but I just didn't know how the to keep boat, it. The bigger boat, the bigger boat, the bigger yeah, boat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that is the thing. It's like, when you learn how to make money and you can make a lot of it fast, if you don't know how to keep the money, it's a whole different conversation. Right. So that was, I was there. And so I, I made a lot of commission and I, and I saw these guys and they were like, they were kind of like five, eight, 10 years older than me. And I was like, I think I could do what they're doing. I'm hungry to have my own business. And that's when my entrepreneurial spirit, like really like kicked in hard. And I thought to myself, how on earth do I just take all the money I've made and everything I have and go buy my own thing so I can do the same thing that I just did for these guys. That's what I thought. And so I looked around and, and, you know, the universe aligns what it needs to align for you. 
And uh, one of the girls that I went to college with, her dad had a company just like the one I had built, um, but he owned it and it was like seven employees and him. And I was like, huh, interesting. I purchased like 47% of the company with, I cashed in everything I had. I moved to Las Vegas, not knowing anyone. I came from Colorado and I bought into this company. What year was that? What's that? What year was that? That was like 2002, 2003-ish. I always like to ask people when they moved. um, I had a condo there in about 2005 on the Strip or whatever. I always like to ask people that moved to Vegas because the time period of when they moved to Vegas tells a lot of what Vegas was like. You know, there was like, oh, yeah. The sure. landscape just literally shifts every five years. So anyways, I just remembered. I was curious to see. Yeah, I mean, we were we were both here at that time. And I was uh, I had just started to learn. I, I got deeper in it was electronics. So we like I saw of all the things that I was selling previously, like electronics had the biggest room for growth. So I was like, OK, if I could mm-hmm. find a company like that, that's interesting to me. Ended up finding one, ended up buying into it. And then I came out to Vegas and I worked my ass off, dude, for about three and a half, four years hundred plus hours a week, getting in there, learning how the operation worked. And then after I had all that sorted out, I gained the respect of, you know, the employees that I had. Um, I started growing this company because I took my sales abilities and my skills and little systems I'd created, like my appointment setting system, a selling system, and I put them in my own business. And I took that company's about 250K a year. And um, I grew it to 8 million a year, just over 8 million a year in revenue. And so here's another big opportunity that I'm like, okay, now this is my own. I have 47% of it. I have a pretty okay partner. He was 60 and I was like mid twenties. So like there was a big age gap there. And, uh, and so we started growing it. I was selling to like Lockheed Martin and Boeing and TRW Locus and Raytheon and L3 communications. And those are my clients. And um, I remember being in California and I was putting together the biggest contract that we'd ever put together. Uh, we were working with L3 communications, building a, a cryogenic laser guidance system for missiles. So it, like track the missiles and shoot them down in the sky, whatever super cool project. And I yeah. like so grateful to be in a room like that with all these super yeah. genius engineer people. My business partner calls me. He's like, Sean, get back emergency. I'm like, what is this emergency? And so I, I said, look, Tony, I'm, I'm closing the biggest deal that we've ever had for the business. Like, I, I think I should stay here. And he goes, no, 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 no. You need to cancel that meeting, get back now. And so I was like, dang it. So I ended up having to like put the deal on pause and I kind of, it was hard to do. And then anyway, I came back to Vegas. I went into the facility. I thought the company was like burning down or something. And there's nothing wrong and everything was normal, functioning normally. And then I look around the corner and I see a business suit walking towards me and I hate suits. Like I'm not about suits, dude. And I'm like, I looked at Tony and I'm like, who's the suit? Cause I don't, that he, that was a rule. I was like, no suits are allowed in this building. Yeah. And um, so he's like, come in my office. And, and he called the guy in the suit over in the office and we both sit down in the chair. Tony looks at me and he just says like one sentence just destroyed me. He goes, well, Sean, while you were gone, note I was only gone for a week and two days. While you were gone, I sold the business to the suit. I'm like, how the F did you do that? I own 47% of this business. And he that's leaned why, back that's in his why chair. Even, that's why you set up the, when you said 47%, that you set it up. He leans back and he goes, I own 53%. Sorry. That's what he said to me. And what was the relationship that you had with this person? It was, uh, I'm, <laughs> so it was like a, a mentor kind of, he was showing me how to run a manufacturing company because I'd never done that before. So I learned that from him. Um, he was a girl that I went to college's father. And uh, it was really sad because I 
I felt completely betrayed, destroyed, all those emotions, frustrated, pissed off. And I just left the building because I was like, I can't be here anymore. And um, I didn't know what I was going to do. And that drove me to drinking heavily. And that period of my life was dark, dude. Like it was really dark. And um, the only lightness that came from it was meeting my wife. I actually met her at uh, Stoney's Rockin' Country Country Bar. And we were out there and I saw her. And I was like, she's like the most beautiful thing. Wait, I've did ever you seen. say Stoney's? I did. <laughs> uh, so the condo that I owned was, uh, was the Manhattans, which is a cross that has the gargoyles on the top. Yeah, boy. So I would, what's that? That's awesome. That yeah. was right across from Stoney's. Yes. So I used to go, <laughs> tell me that's not the longest parking lot in the entire world. It was one of them for sure. Not a <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's hilarious. Well, that's yeah, amazing. Dude. Okay. So yeah. And I met her, I met her there and she was like that, that lightning bolt of light that said, like, I, I just laughed on her. I was like, I can't. I, dude, I gotta I go the chills. That's awesome. And, yeah, dude. It was great. And, and so she kind of pulls me aside and she was, was drinking with me so we were like drinking for a while and then she was kind of seeing that I was being self-destructive and and I'm so grateful for her because she's like kept me on the right path ever since I met her but she goes you need to knock this drinking shit off like get go do something else I'm like what should I do and she goes what are you good at and I said I'm pretty good at sales she's like go sell some shit I'm like okay brilliant idea right so I threw my resume out there and I picked up a job selling roofing material like I'm trying to now rebuild myself from this whole failure or whatever and I was like, look, I, I've grown a lot of businesses. Like I probably could do it in the roofing world. And, and so I started selling for a manufacturer that was based in Ohio. My territory was Nevada. And I had to grow these like school district contracts and federal building stuff where we're doing the roofs. So I put my systems in, my little appointment setting sales system in there. And the next 18 months, I broke every sales record they'd ever had. And I was like, okay, it worked again and it worked again. And it's getting, and it's like it's always consistently working. I'm like, this works anywhere. Like that was, that was where, because it was went from like B to G, B to C, B to B. Now here I am like B to B again. Like it's just working everywhere. And so I realized at that time, I was like, I, roofers aren't my people. Like they're a certain breed, right? Wow. And I was like, yeah. So it's not the people that I wanted to serve. I didn't really enjoy managing contractors because they always used to like cheat and lie and, and try to cut corners. And I didn't, there's a, I lot, there's a lot going on in that construction business, right? Yeah. There's a lot of, I don't, I don't know what it is of it. I don't, I don't know what it is in that industry. I, I, I don't know if it's a dog, it's like a dog eats dog world, you know, and it, it never yeah. ends. And it's very, yeah, strange. it's, it's, it, it's, it's exhausting. You think it's a cash, you think it's a cash flow thing, you know, cause a lot of these, these companies, they'll have to get extensions and, um, you know, you know I, I, stuff. I gotta believe, dude. I gotta believe that there's some good people out there. I met. Uh, yeah, I can't. I'm not gonna tag everybody. If somebody hears this and you're in construction, don't think yeah, yeah. you're a bad person. No. Yeah, but I, I think there is. There's some merit to that. It's like they're trying to win jobs and they cut pricing to win jobs, and then that means they have to cut corners on the job. And it's like now you have to be the whistleblower, and that I didn't want to be in that spot. So that, like, wasn't me, right? So and you're on the front end, right? You're making the progress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And so, and so at that stage, I, I kind of, I gave that job away and I was doing well there. Like, and I just said, sorry, I'm not going to play this game anymore. And then I was like, I don't really know what to do. And my wife was like, well, we've always kind of talked about you getting me out of the dentist's office that she was managing at the time. And I thought, I thought to myself, okay, well, um, how, how, how we do that? She's like, well, let's try the online thing. And that night, actually, she was looking online and she sees this Facebook advertisement of this little young kid in no shirt walking across the beach, like she's made all this money online. She's like, watch this. And I'm like, that's what I was trying to do when I came out of college. Like, 
here's what I think. If that guy has a, like he said, this is the marketing system. And I didn't know what marketing was, but I knew what sales was. And I was like, if his little marketing system can bring eyeballs my way, I'm pretty confident that we could convert them into some sales. So we went down the rabbit hole. We spent $99. Can I, can I kind of tag that in? Is that like right around 2016? 2006. Uh, 16. You're correct. Yep. Right at that time. Yes. And I think that uh, we're jumping into uh, the original power couple. Dude, you've done your research. <laughs> That's it, man. I'm proud of you. Thank you for doing the research. Yeah. So Melissa and I uh, got involved with this marketing organization that showed us how to learn paid ads and how to run a lot of traffic. We got to a point where we're spending about 30 grand a month on ads, like doing a lot of advertising and stuff online. And um, the system worked, right? The, the system brought us eyeballs. I built a sales force that actually converted all these deals. So with a 99 a month on the front end, and then we're selling a $10,500 on the back end. Well, it was a network marketing business with a company out of Japan, Enagic Water Systems. So it's like home medical grade water systems that you put on your counter and it spits out really clean water. Still use the product, love the product. And we had about half a million people online following us around and we became these little micro influencers. And you, you had mentioned you, were, you did like 300,000 in your first year. Does that sound about right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I don't quite, yeah. And I just, I kind of want to pull back just a little bit. Um, because the story, your story is so good. And, and I think that there's a lot of little caveats in here that are really interesting to people. Um, you, you had, you'd met your now wife. Um, she was supporting system for you. Um, and you had created this little ecosystem. You go out there. Now she believed in you. You go out there and you work. And then you kind of go from there. Then you obviously have some transitions. What was that conversation like? I mean, you did call it the original power couple. But what was that conversation like? Because I would assume that you have certain working styles and then you know having couples come together and then especially having a sales background you're like i'm a driver right you're like i'm a driver i'm a driver how did you find some synergy in that and and so that you guys could yeah it's like working with, working with a spouse it's uh it's one of those things that i used to get asked a lot in fact we did uh speaking gigs on that particular topic and since I had built for my electronics company that was kind of ripped out from underneath me, I had a sales force across the nation that was a thousand people big. So I wasn't opposed to like building a big team and understanding team dynamics and management of people and everything else. And so like when I started working with my wife, I just looked at what she was really, really good at. She was an admin manager, managing a dentist office. That means she would like set up all the people, the, the, the hygienists, and she would manage the doctor's calendar and make sure that was all tuned up or whatever. And so she was really good at things that I was really bad at. So I was like, so when we, when we came together, I said, look, like I'm going to be on the front end. I wanted her to be on the front end because historically women convert better online than men. However, I thought, look, let me take the lead and then maybe I can bring her in with me. That's where kind of the original power couple piece came because we started doing videos together, which was great. She did a couple on her own. She didn't really like it, but she was really good at managing the growth and understanding the systems and everything else. So I just looked at the roles. It's always about what's your role, your power role, what's your superpower, what's the thing you're super duper good at. And then how do we put that person in that role so that they can actually succeed at a level that's awesome and they feel great about it. And so we just divided and conquered all the roles and responsibilities for the business. And typically with any business, there's five. You got lead generation, you got lead nurture, you got conversion, you got uh, fulfillment and delivery, and then you've got retention and resell. That's it, right? So, and so I look at like at her world as like, 
okay, lead gen, that's got to be the paid ads that we're doing, right? Lead nurture is like, now there's some conversations starting in Messenger. That's where I started cutting my teeth and getting really good at, um, you know, selling by chat kind of a thing. Conversion, I'm a sales guy, I built a sales team. She didn't even have to worry about that. But then it was on the back end of fulfillment, delivery, and then retention and, and keeping clients happy. That was where she started to shine. And I was like, okay, we'll just split it that way. Got it. That's how I did it. That's, that's, I think a lot of people need to hear that because I don't think that's an easy thing to do. And I think the way that you explained it is really well. It's like, you can't make somebody be something that they're not. And sure. you probably found that you can't bulldozer the other person too. Yeah. And try to, you know, I had a partnership before and, and, and a few things with that partnership. And, and you learn very quickly that you can't bulldozer, you know, you got to let them either they can shine or they can't. And in a way. True statement. So, true statement. Yeah. For sure. So as you, as you, as you kind of went through that, um, you started to create this environment. Now, was this off of, um, was this off of a product that you said was a multi-leveling marketing product? Yeah, we started building a big downline in an MLM. Uh, we got it to where we had over 2,500 people that had spent over 10,000 with us. Like we've done some deal, like we put some money together, right? And so um, then at about half a million people online flying around, like I said, they all came back to us and they said, Sean, Melissa, Chris at the time, Chris is, that's where I started a partnership with Chris was seven, six and a half, seven years ago in the online space. So we partnered on this project and we've been partners ever since. And I love him dearly as a brother. Um, they came back to us and they said, Sean, like your software sucks. And Chris and I looked at each other and we're like, hold on a second. We didn't build the software is not our shit. So is it, you can't say it's us. And they all came back and said, we don't care, fix it. Right. Cause they're, you know, you're a customer. So this time we're getting mentored by Russell Brunson. We've been in the inner circle for a number of years now. And, and, um, the, uh, <laughs> We're like, okay, how do we fix this? And Russell says, well, meet these software developers because he knew them. And I was like, great. And he connected us with the software group. And we ended up spending a million dollars with them to build a software company for us. Million that we didn't have, right? We just leveraged and built and did it. And um, we launched- Did you work with uh, Russell Brunson's team to build the software? No, he just introduced us to the Connect right. that builds software platforms. And you so and, we started working- Were you based fish out of water at the time? Well, I didn't know software. I mean, I knew sales, I knew network marketing, I knew paid ads now, I knew funnels because I learned it from Russell and, and, but I didn't know how to build our own software or app or anything like that. So newbie again, right? So it's another thing I have to go learn. And, and so we, we, we got with these group and they built our platform and it was, it was dynamic. It was beautiful. It did some amazing things. Number one, it had like a course of here's how you learn paid ads. Number two, it had five done for you funnels that were optimized weekly by me and Chris um, it had an entire webinar team, a sales team behind it. So all we had to do is take the nine to fiver that wanted to climb online, put them into the system. They would learn the paid ad stuff and start driving traffic to one of our funnels. And then our team would kind of take over and convert everything else. And so that business, when we launched that software platform, we did a million dollars in our first 10 months on 99 a month. And on the backside, all of those people that paid that and bought into the actual network marketing company, we made over $12 million in our first year doing that. And so now we're printing some cash flow and uh, I have our software business and I'm still this little micro influencer with Melissa. Hmm. And then there goes the time of the day. I was working 21, 22 hours a day, getting two to maybe four hours of sleep a night. That's it. Couldn't, didn't even have a day off. I did that for like years and I burned out. I burned out so bad 
that I was driving down to a mastermind to spend with Russell and the team and Melissa and I, and, and, and I saw a big oak tree and I thought, man, it'd just be easier to just drive right in that oak tree and be done with it. It was a very dark, very good learning time of my life. And um, just did, did you look back, um, what were some of the things that you were telling yourself during that time? Because you'd already kind of had this, I mean, in a way you're kind of like, here I am again. Yeah, it's kind of, what was I telling myself at the time? I was just like, oh, it's going to be okay. Uh, there's going to be light at the end of the tunnel, even though I couldn't see it. I was like, and tried to continue telling myself positive affirmations and none of that shit was working. I was just burned out, right? I had big bags under my eyes. My relationship with Melissa was starting to dwindle. Um, there was actually one particular time where in California, I was doing a live webinar and um, she could see me like down the hallway and she just started crying and I could see her crying as I'm doing this webinar. And I finished the webinar. I'm like, what's, why are you crying? She's like, you're exhausted. Like I can see it all the way down the hallway. It's not okay for you to be like that. Like that's going to lead to things that are very destructive. And I was like, you're right, you know? And so anyways, as I'm driving on this highway and I see this tree, I thought, what if I just drive in the tree and be done and I stopped the car. I was crying. Melissa and I started talking. I was like, we got to make a change. And she's like, yeah, you do. And we do. And so we went to Russell's office and we did this. I, I rebuilt because we have to in Russell's inner circle. It's you go in, Russell doesn't do all the presentations. It's all the people in the room that are having success. They have to share what's good, what's bad and what they're working on kind of as a presentation style. And so I said, here's our, I'm just going to do our journey because I had what's good, what's bad and what's working for us. I had a whole presentation. We got there the night before. I was like, no, fuck this. I'm going to stay up all night. I'm going to rebuild this because I want people to know the real stuff. And so I took everybody in that inner circle room. Now, no, these people are making tens of millions, hundreds of millions, way bigger than we are. And I'm sharing this story of like, here's where we launched the software. And then this was win, 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 win. And then, oh, it went all the way down. And here's this, and then up and down, up and down. It was like our whole journey. And so the whole room was like crying and the cheering and crying. And at the end, like nothing's working. I'm burned out. I, we definitely need to make some sort of a change. And Russell says something that changed my life forever. He says to me, you're not going to like what I have to say, Sean. I was like, yeah, but you're my coach and I'm very coachable. So tell me what I need to do. He says, kill your baby. And I was like, whoa, like Russell Brunson, you know, like Mormon King, you know, like of the world is saying, kill your baby. Like, that's crazy for someone's like, what do you mean? You need to get rid of the software company, Sean. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, how do you can, sell can we get, can we get a timeline on this? When, when was this? What years? I would have 17, 18? Two, three, four. This was like 19, 19, I think. Okay. 2019. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's about right. Uh, maybe it's 18, 18, 19. Um, and uh, how do you kill a company doing seven figures? Yeah. Don't know. Never done it before. Hard thing to do. And so we're like, took us a year, right? Till the end of, yeah, so it was 18. It was like late 18. So end of 19 is when we ended up selling our software company. So we sold, that's what we got that record for is a million bucks in 12 months and off a $99 offer. And then on the back, we did 12 million, but we wouldn't process it through ClickFunnels. So we couldn't get the $10 million award. But um, so we sold the company and then I was like, Russell, what should we do? He's like, well, you need to get out of burnout. Meet Alex Sharfin, next coach. Hired Alex Sharfin. He changed my life. He put in operating systems into our businesses. Like he just showed us how to like do what we needed to do. And I said, Alex, like, we just sold, we just sold the thing. What, what should we do? And he goes, what are you good at? And Chris and I looked at each other and we're like, sales. And he said, well, guess what? All these online entrepreneurs suck at sales. You should go help them. 
So Chris and I are like, great. So we started interviewing a bunch of these high-level entrepreneurs that we would love to have as clients. We're saying, hey, do you like selling? No, I hate it, Sean. I don't want to sell. Cool. So we picked up five clients, done for you capacity, high ticket, right? It was 5K a month for six-month minimum contracts with 30 grand contracts, uh, agreements, whatever. And we went into their business. Here's how to hire, onboard, and train a sales team. So now you don't have to sell. Solve the problem, right? And because we've done that so many times, like that's easy to do. And we started doing it and we started getting results for these clients. But then the results tapered and they started dropping. And we're like, what's going on? Entrepreneurs come back to us. Sean, Chris, thank you so much. Now I don't have to sell. You solved the problem. But now I have anxiety and I can't sleep at night because I have no predictable or consistent way to feed the team you just built me. So our first problem that we solved led into the next one. And Chris and I were like, we have a system for that. That's easy. But they didn't know that. So we took our little system and we put it in each of our high-tech client businesses. And boom, all of them started taking off. Big results. I'm talking about like we're you're working with a PR firm that's doing 30 grand a month. Now they're doing 60 grand a month four months later. Um, gym coaching space, similar story, 20, 30 grand a month. Now doing over 150 a month. Video marketing, same thing, 60, 70,000 a month. Now doing quarter million, almost 300,000 a month. Then we went into a bigger organization like real estate video training for realtors and they were doing about 400k a month they had a team of eight we put our systems in there and they went from 400 to like six and a half six six fifty a month in, in mrr like recurring money so we were able to grow these businesses like at light speed and we have lots of success stories like that and chris and i looked at each other and we're like whoa dude that little piece is more valuable to every business on the planet than anything else we could do let's teach it at scale how do we do one to one to a group or one to many we didn't know how to sell that way that's why we were learning for russell like webinars right mm -hmm. and so we started running this mastermind didn't know how to do that so we hired a mastermind coach and he showed us here's how you run a mastermind it's a high volume very successful so we started doing exactly his play and it worked and we just started teaching these people in our mastermind here's a piece of paper with a messaging sequence that we know works and here's how you track it on the spreadsheet super archaic super simple but it works and we would charge these people $25,000 to come through this process, three months intensive. Here's how you put the system in your business. Nine months after that is high level sales coaching. So you can close the deals that now you're getting because people always come to me like, Sean, I wanna learn to sell. I could teach someone to sell in a weekend. Promise you I can teach you someone in a weekend like that. My big concern, my big fear is if I teach you that stuff, what's the system that's gonna systematically, automatically, consistently and predictably feed you opportunity so you can practice the shit that I just taught you. Because if you don't have that system, you're not gonna win. Everyone's like, oh, that's a great idea. So then Chris and I are like, well, we're teaching off a piece of paper and a spreadsheet, like kind of archaic. How do we build this in a software? And at the time our messaging sequence ran into our CTO's messaging sequence and we we're like, he's got a tech, but you have to be a programmer to run it right now. So we need to like fix it. But it's close. And so we started working that agreement relationship about six to eight months in. We ended up merging together, acquiring the IP, redress, rebuild the entire platform to make it simple. And then we started sharing it just with our master. We gave it to our mastermind members and they all had results that are ridiculous. 78% of the people coming through our mastermind, this is a statistic I'm super proud of, 78% success rate of clients coming through our mastermind. The reason I left network marketing, the reason it was killing my soul, because I had one to 4% success rate of people coming through the program. One to yeah, 4% yeah. to now 78%. That gives me fulfillment. That tells me there's 22% of the people out there that just aren't doing the shit. 
because the system the, the, what you just pull I mean you just increase 76 percent in, in 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 impact I mean genuinely yeah. impact yeah. you know it, I think what you're saying is also like the impact a lot of and there's a lot of people out there with multi-level marketing and things like that but the impact that I've ever seen is is the events you know just the feeling of like oh here's the impact and then sometimes you feel lonely after that or whatever that is and from what you just shared right there it's like you actually got true impact that impacts and stories that come back to you that you can't you can't buy that yeah like, and so we we're like there's definitely something here and so yeah. then flowchat was born and uh it's just taken over everything that we're doing every single business that sees it they're like how do i get that and how do i start and i don't want to do the work so can you help me with it? yeah sure we can do all that right so it's like it's perfect it's the system that takes care of the lost art of nurture for every business that uses social to sell with that's mm -hmm. it simple we do one-to-one -one messaging at scale very efficiently organized and just straightforward. Like it's simple, right? Yeah. So what are the things that you implemented? And we've seen this amazing journey and anybody that hears this podcast, I, I, I always say this, I say this at the end because it's always a gamble when you, when you put these things together because you get a couple of minutes to kind of put it together. But, you know, these, these last podcasts have just been fire. And I think that one of the questions that would be interesting to get from you is that you've shared a cycle you've shared these cycles and, and sure. people recognizing these are cycles of solving problems, falling apart, getting back up. Where, where's Sean today? Where, what have you learned through that process? And maybe I'm getting a little deep, but at the end of the day, like what, what are some things that you're putting in your life are so that you don't go to burnout? Because if I've gotten to know you on the yeah. back side of this a little bit, you're right. a driver at the end of the day. I mean, even when we started, you're like, dude, how do we get this thing going? And, you know, most of the time, you know, I'll shimmy a little bit, just trying to get the tempo. And you're like, let's make this thing happen. And so what, what are you finding through this journey now so that you can, it can combat not finding that oak tree again or walking into a business and not feeling yeah. like it's getting taken care of for you? Um, and and I, I think what you, yeah, so Jason, what you teach is, yeah, I mean, you're the master at this stuff, not me, dude. Like you're the master with the health world and all the stuff that you teach and, and, and grateful for people like you that do what you do because I think you're making a big impact as well. Um, for me, it's you got to have the right headspace when you start the day. So have some sort of a morning routine. If you don't have one, get one. For me, it's, you gotta have boundaries. Recently, I've been stepping over my boundary limits that I have with Melissa. It's like 7.30 PM, the laptop shuts no matter what, right? Non-negotiable. Um, when I was working with Alex Sharfin, one of the other things I learned in terms of how to really like prioritize your life, he asked me a question and I'll ask anyone listening to this podcast or this, this session right now is, What's valuable to you? What's the most valuable thing in your life? Everybody's going to have an answer. For me, it was my wife. And so Alex Sharfin asks me, what's the most valuable thing in your world? I said, my wife. And she goes, he says to me, well, prove it to me. Open up your calendar and show me where she's at. Yeah, I've heard that from him. And I opened my calendar and she wasn't on the calendar. You know how embarrassed I was? Dude, that one hurts. And so I was like, holy shit, you're right. And then what do we do? We put non-negotiable date night, Saturday night. It's been that way now for years and years and years. Every Saturday, everyone knows like Sean's on date night, right? Like that's what's happening. Then we have lunch breaks. Then we have like, we do our morning walks together, part of our morning routine. So like just implementing those types of very simple boundaries have allowed me to keep the reserves of energy. Like if you don't have a source of filling your cup up, if you don't have a hobby, go get one, right? Like, because 
like for us, we play disc golf. Disc golf fills my cup. When I go play, I get rejuvenated. When I have a day off, like I have one day a week where I don't work at all. So I just, again, I think it's setting boundaries is really like the big thing, right? So it's, it's uh, that's kind of, I think what I've learned the most. And then just stay focused on the main thing, right? Because the main thing's the main thing. And it's always, what's the one big thing that you can move the needle with this week that's going to move the organization. And Russell always taught it in a webinar of, you got to figure out what the one big domino is. And if you can knock that down, all the other dominoes fall down. And so it's like trying to keep hyper-focused of uh, awareness level of what your clients are saying is the one big domino, because you can't figure out what it is. Your clients are going to tell you what the domino is, and then you just focus on knocking that one down. And that's simple. That's it. Well, you're an entrepreneur's entrepreneur, a man that solves problems and um, goes back and looks at wisdom. Stand Now you're the giant that other people can stand oh. up. That's probably a great thing, right? I don't know. I wouldn't call myself a giant. I would just. All right. Well, let's say that you're a, you know, you're, you're the taller kid in the class (laughs) and uh, somebody needs, if someone needs to be at a concert, you know, and they're, they can't see up there, you can put them on your shoulders. You're one of those guys. Sean, you're awesome, man. You've got the right attitude. Um, How do they find you? Uh, How do they find flow chat? Tell them a little bit about what's going on. Yeah, so uh, you have a custom link uh, in the show notes below. I'll share it with you so you can click. Anyone that clicks that, they can go check out our website. It's just flowchat.com. Um, and then, of course, if you want to experience it for yourself, there's another link. You can come join our free Facebook community. Um, you have a, a personal link for that, Jason, that I've got for you that we'll put in the show notes as well. Come join our Facebook group. Experience the flow. Learn about Flowchat if it's something that you think you need in your business. If you are if you have ever thought about using organic method to actually grow your business, one that you can track and report on and see the results and actually optimize the thing. It's not just like posting and praying kind of a uh, play. Um, Yeah, come check us out, experience it. And uh, if it's the right fit, you'll know uh, because we don't need to push on this. Like everybody that I've seen that that, that has had almost a, a, you know, like wanting to see it, they said I could use it, right? And so if we get there, then great. If not, then I have a big network and I can definitely connect you with the right people. Thanks a lot, Sean Malone. You've been an amazing guest. Thanks for being the first time, not the last time, on being the Moved Entrepreneur Evolved podcast. Thanks a lot, brother. Appreciate you. For everybody else out there, make sure you like and subscribe. Make sure you go back and listen to other people's podcasts. We had Rahul um, Alim was on last. Make sure you go back. He's an amazing guy with GSD. You might see his stuff out there. Um, So go back and check out those awesome people. They're just as awesome as the guests we have today. So with that, thanks a lot, guys, for the Moved Entrepreneur Evolve podcast. If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Moved is to entrepreneurs.